What's up, folks? It is episode seven of our audio show, and we're having a jam-packed show tonight. Even in a short amount of time, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight as we have our honored guest that I will say here as I bring everybody on live. So let me do this real quick before I completely forget. But tonight we have from, and let me shrink this window down because it will make a lot more sense, the Kim Parent and Corey Favel from Generation X Podcast, and we thank them for coming on tonight. We reached out to them not too long ago. They agreed to come on. We're going to have a lot of fun talking to them, and of course, we're going to ask tons of dad stories because I'm pretty sure they're going to have fun with us as well. Even though the listeners won't be able to listen or at least visualize what's going on tonight and tomorrow when you'll be able to hear the downloaded podcast, but in an episode of a bonus show, you'll be able to see everything that we did here tonight. So, Kim and Corey, we thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you guys? Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. No, you're absolutely welcome. And, and just to, I'm going to bring the, the share screen back up here momentarily, just so we can see. And if you guys end up following the show, you can see, again, Parant and Favel Generation X podcast. If you do, just like I do, follow them up on Twitter. Maybe they'll follow you back. Who knows? But... I'm fortunate enough to get followed by those guys. Um, it's I've seen three, if I remember correctly. Right now, you had your trailer and two more. As, yep. So I did see, uh, and I did listen to all three. The last one was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so it's been it's been really enjoyable. You guys are so far for a short amount of time. I tell you what, you've been doing a really good job. So it sounds good and looks good. Oh, Thanks. thank you. Appreciate it. Well, You're yeah, welcome. Ray Ray made it really easy because he's. He's fun and he's full of stories, and so he definitely made it easy. Right. Well, I, I ended up retweeting this morning because I I did I listened to it, and then after I listened to it, of course, came a retweet for it. But it it's listen, it's always good to hear hockey stories because a lot of times you get a lot of I guess the perspective from like some players. Some of them will give you more than others. Some people kind of keep themselves a little bit reserved, and then some though it's like that that. Almost like the hanging cliff note. Like they'll give you the story and then they'll stop. Like, oh, if you want to catch what else is going on, I'll tune into another episode. Right. You, guys do, you guys do an excellent job. So kudos to you. And hopefully we'll hear many more here in the uh, upcoming future. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Not a problem. You're welcome. So um, one thing I guess we'll, we'll get off kind of quickly here is the uh, flyer season. Before we get into some history, flyers started really well in the beginning of the season. We saw that last year for the first year coach looked like the Flyers could have been really good contenders. And I didn't even pick the Flyers to make the playoffs last season. So we saw in the beginning of the season, the Flyers picked up where they lost, left off last year. But now here we are in April. They are, uh, if I remember correctly, in sixth place, as I will bring it up here. Um, yeah, 
So 2018 and seven, only three games behind the Rangers. So it's not like they're completely out of it, but we're only, what, two weeks away from playoff hockey? Yeah. So unless the tides turn here, and I, I don't know how much uh, you guys from following the season, did you guys expect for the Flyers to be as bad as they are right now? Or were you like us, the rest of us, thinking that they were going to be in the march for the playoffs heading into April? So. Well, I'm uh, more of the Flyers fan in our our little uh, duo here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was so excited in the beginning of the season. Um, they looked great, and um, then there was some up and down, and then now the bottom is just falling off. And it's a shame because, like you said, we we're I was super excited, and I thought we were would go pretty far this year, and it's just a total shock. Like I was not expecting this at all. Well, I'm uh, the Flyers look great this year because I'm on the border of, of Buffalo, so I have the Sabres to watch, and uh, <laughs> they pretty much <laughs> they they're making the Flyers look really good this year. So. Well, that's not that's pretty uh, hard to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, like I said, the Flyers came out; they started great, and um, I, I always go back to it's just it, it's an odd season, um, right? You know, you got your your veterans out there, you got your younger group coming out every night. To, to an empty arena, um, how much how much steam do you have halfway through the year, near the end of the year? You know, you're, you're not spending a lot of time with your families and stuff. So I found that as a, as a big factor. Um, I'm, I'm close to the Leafs here. They're about 45 minutes around the lake. They, they came out of the gate flying. They had, they had dipped down a bit in the middle of the season. They've turned it back on. But 2018 is not, is, is not a bad record right now for the Flyers. So... Um, I got faith in him. I love Carter Hart. I think, uh, you know, a little, little confidence and he'll bounce back for sure. So I think so as one. I think the other two gentlemen that are with me tonight, Michael Sherman, our sports contributor and Ryan Neff, our national correspondent here. And if both of these guys had to travel to any kind of venue, I'm pretty sure they would do it with the official sponsor of Ross Street South fans of Philly.com. See what I did there, Sherman? I didn't forget <laughs> fans of Philly.com, the official sponsor of Ross Street South. And uh, if you guys want to book your trips for an upcoming flyers, Eagles, Phillies, and or Sixers game through, go through fans of Philly.com. That's fans of Philly.com. And gentlemen, how are you guys this evening? Doing all right. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> The bearded Ryan Neff, and, and I'll ask you guys the same question too. So, uh, Sherman, I'll start off with you with the Flyers. We, we Again, we saw what they did last season. We see what they're doing this season. They may not be completely out of it yet, but does Alain Vignon be able to bounce back the Flyers here with about two weeks to go? Well, when I was watching the news at 6 p.m. tonight, I believe it was reported that the Flyers are nine points back with 11 games to go. And – that's a pretty difficult task to be able to conquer in such a short period of time. Unfortunately, the Flyers are not on a hot streak right now. They've been going the other way. I know they lost the other night one nothing to the Islanders, so defensively they played relatively well in that game. But you have to find ways to win these games and find ways to win them in regulation. And when they end up losing these games, it definitely puts just one more nail into the coffin for their season. And the concerning thing to me as a Flyers fan is that for as good as Carter Hart was last year, and anybody who follows hockey will tell you that the goaltender is the backbone of any team, how important that role is, and how Carter Hart has 
seem to regress this year, and it's not all his fault, right? He hasn't had a good defense to support him. So, Kim, I'd be very interested to hear your take on how you feel about Carter Hart, thinking about how good he was last year and whether you truly believe that he regressed this year and will he be able to bounce back in the future? Uh, I definitely think he'll bounce back. I think Carter um, played such a strong mental game for, you know, last year and you know, before that. And I think he got off of it and he's just having a hard time getting that back. You know, I think it's, it's mostly mental at this point, but he's so young, especially for a goaltender. So I have full faith that we'll see um, the old Carter back and he'll still be the goalie we we're all hoping for. Um, it's just been, you know, I, I feel for him, you know, and, and I just can't imagine what he's going through right now, but he'll be back. I have full faith in that. All right. uh, Ryan, I know you're a Blackhawks fan and so is the young lady on the other side of the couch over here, Bruce in the show. Uh, also a Blackhawks fan. So and I guess if in comparison to the Blackhawks and the Flyers to make it, you know, fair across the board here for you, Blackhawks look like they're picking up a little bit better even than what they were last season this time. And they could actually sneak into the playoffs because they're looking pretty good as of late. So same thing. Does it look like either indoor team wind up squeezing in there or do you believe maybe the Blackhawks make it in the Flyers being out? Well, I think with the Flyers wasn't hurt, hurt earlier in the year for a little while, just yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And I think when Carter got hurt, it sort of messed up their feng shui, if you know what I mean. Right, yeah. So um, it threw them off. Um, I'm a big proponent of defense, shoring up the defense. And I don't think the Flyers have taken any initiative, you know, to shore up the defense whatsoever. And I think that's where a lot of fans this year have been frustrated you know, the only thing I can say I can equate it to the Blackhawks is the Blackhawks defense is absolutely horrible. They're either winning three two or they're losing seven to three. So, and I, I I hate the fact that there's been so much scoring to be quite honest with you because I'm sort of a defensive guy. But, um, you know, nine nine points bank with eleven games left. I was just talking to a buddy of mine uh, the other night. He was like, "You can just stick a fork in it. It's yeah. done." It's over. They're just, I just don't think that there's any way. I'm not saying it can't be done. Um, just like I don't think the Blackhawks are, you know, Blackhawks were the same way. They started off great. They had like a lull and now it's been back and forth. It's like they'll, they'll show up, they win three to one. And then a couple of days later, they're losing like five to two. And the inconsistency, um, I think is going to come back to bite both teams. Um, you know, the Flyers at times can look really solid. And then there's other games. I think it would, was it against the Islanders. They lost like, what was it? Eight to one or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I don't think either team is, they might make a little bit of a push, but I, I don't see either one of them. And the Flyers just, there's going to be a lot of changes. I think in the Flyers organization once the, once the uh, season's done. Yeah, and that was one of the most frustrating things is they would have a great game and you're like, all right, they're you know they're back, they're you know we're gonna get this back, and then the next game they get blown out. Yeah, so yeah, it's been definitely frustrating. The only saving grace for the Flyers may be that they still face the New Jersey Devils five times here at the end of the season, and the New Jersey Devils have had a pretty bad season as well. But 
You know, when you're talking about a team that is as inconsistent as the Flyers, finding a way to beat a team five straight times is definitely right. going to be a difficult task. But, you know, record-wise, it could definitely shape up in the Flyers' favor so that they, if they could find lightning in a bottle, they could find a way to get into the playoffs. But even if they did find a way to get into the playoffs, I'm not too confident that they would be able to progress too far through the tournament to get to the Stanley Cup, something that they haven't won since 1975. Yeah. And plus, we need other teams to lose, and we're in a tough yeah. division. So, you know... No, that is true. And we had um, trying to think the Flyers, I believe, in their last 10 are three, four, and three. And yeah, three, four, and three going your last 10 is probably not the way you end up going. So it, Flyers got, I mean, I, I'm not going to count them out completely. Stranger things have happened. Who knows? You got the Tampa Bay Lightning who are defending Stanley Cup champions. It doesn't mean that they don't have the same magical runs last year like a lot of the teams had while they were in the bubble, but. One never knows what's going to end up happening. So I, I don't know. I'm not completely giving up on the Flyers yet. Not looking too good, but it doesn't mean a thing because you can get hot at the right time. So let's hope starting, what, tomorrow they start getting hot. So we'll we'll see. There's a lot to do. And, Corey, I want to get back to you for a second. So you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, correct? Well, I, I'm i right in between Buffalo and Toronto. So okay. um, they call it the, you know, the QEW highway. So um, – yeah, I'm about half an hour from Buffalo, and I'm about 45 minutes from Toronto. But because my dad was uh, is part of the Leaf alumni, and you know we're really we're really hand fed uh, Maple Leaf uh, Maple Leaf hockey here. I I'm a big fan of the Maple Leafs. I just my dad coached over in Buffalo, so I do have a you know a connection there where you know it, it's you know the, the Sabers do you know I like them, but I you know I, I'm not a big big fan. Right. So now uh, I'm assuming, and, and just a crazy assumption here, just switching gears. Are you a Buffalo Bills fan or no? Um, yes, because that's the closest NFL team we have, right? So um, CFL up here, I'm still trying to figure out the rules. I don't know, three downs or something. I can't figure it out. So NFL, the Bills, yeah, I, I, I love the Bills. They're, I'm a big Bills fan. You're not so, an Argonauts fan? Argonauts? Yeah. Uh, nobody blows like an Argo. (laughs) (laughs) Corey, talking about either city, whether you're a Maple Leafs fan or a Buffalo fan, can you talk to us about the passion and the hunger for each city, Toronto and Buffalo, right? Toronto hasn't won the Stanley Cup in like, like since 1940 or something like that. And I don't think Buffalo has ever won a Stanley Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk about the hunger in each one of those cities for their teams to finally win a Stanley cup. Yeah, I think, um, Toronto's really hungry. Um, but comparing the two cities, um, my son's 20 now, um, he comes to games with me. So we go to a lot of leaf games. Uh, my dad has the alumni box. So we go to a lot of leaf games. The atmosphere there is electric. It's, it's Canadian hockey. When we go over to Buffalo and watch a game, it's, it's quiet. Um, you know, my son is like, wow, this is, you wouldn't even think there's a game going on. So it, it is a big difference in, in Toronto. They're, you know, they're fired up, they're electric Buffalo, like I said, great fans and everything, but it's a, it's a whole, it's very quiet in there. It's a, it's, it's a little different. And plus the team, you know, Buffalo isn't doing that great. So they don't have a lot to, to, to cheer about even, you know, last year and the year before, but um, yeah, there is, there's, there's quite a difference between a, you know, Canadian city and a, and a U.S. city NHL team. Kim, it let was me cool when Toronto Sorry. made it to the playoffs a couple of years ago and everyone was out on the streets and it was kind of cool to see the excitement there. You could oh, yeah, feel it. yeah. That's what we say. We just 
like I said, we have the, the alumni tickets, so we just always hope they make the playoffs because we never get to see many playoff games. So, yeah, they filled the Nathan Phillips Square, um, or not Nathan Phillips Square, they filled the, the square over there. And, uh, yeah, if you can't get into the game, you're watching it outside. Uh, Buffalo, not so much. I think you kind of cram into the anchor bar or something across the street mm -hmm. in Buffalo. So. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask him a quick question about, you know, you know, your father was obviously part of the whole Broad Street bully, um, you know, generation as far as that team went, and you know, both of your fathers are just from that different generation of hockey. How frustrating is it for ex Flyers alum to know that the Flyers have come close a couple of times to winning the cup, but they haven't been able to get over the hump? Yeah, I mean, my dad, he is funny when, it, when it's important games, um, playoff games or a um, game that will determine uh, who wins the series. He can't watch the game. Like, he'll put it on. He'll turn it off. He'll walk out of the room. Like, he gets real nervous. But, um, yeah, it's disappointing, you know. And, and they get, you know, to know the guys, obviously, along the way and, you know, feel for them. But, I mean, it shows how hard it is to, uh, to win that cup. Yeah, it's not not an easy feat, but yeah, it's definitely disappointing for them as well. Well, the the irony, Corey, is that we're as we're talking between the NBA and the NFL, and obviously the NHL, the Raptors, of course, have been here since the beginning of the NBA season, and they weren't they were actually supposed to go back in February. So thankfully, since they stay down here, I was supposed to attend a Sixers game, but the there was no fans in the stands until I think it was like two games after. And yeah. I, I wish I would be able to catch Sixers down here because it's hard for me to get back home. But they haven't been allowed to go back to Canada until after the season's over. And from what I understand, obviously the same way with the NHL. Now, they did the same thing with Major League Baseball. But I'm wondering, and I don't know if you've heard anything from being up there in New York or not, in, in, in that border. Have you heard anything as far as maybe Canada allowing for, I guess, the Blue Jays to go back home at one point throughout the season? Or are they pretty much stuck in America until the end of the MLB season? I think they're pretty much the Florida Blue Jays from here on in, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see anyone coming back. The problem is everyone has to quarantine uh, when they right. get back here. So even if you come back, you have to quarantine 14 days. You can't leave to go back to the U.S. So I think once players are in the U.S. and you know part of the hub or the bubble, whatever they're doing, it's once they cross the border, they have they're locked down for 14 days. So until the seasons are over or until, you know, things clear up here, the guidelines, I think pretty much everyone's going to be down in the U S you know, if you go to, to Dunedin, Florida, yeah. nice little town. It's, it's really nice. But when you go to the stadium and they, they, they redid the stadium, like they, they uh, put tons of money into it. The players were given the choice of either a, having a brand new facility, meaning a brand new uh, ballpark yeah. and or having their workout facility upgraded. So they decided to go with the workout facility to make that priority and then upgrade the uh, the baseball park they're in. It's not bad, but it gives you like a high school feel. It doesn't feel like a major league baseball field, but I know it's supposed to be meant for, and they do share the field with the high school team. But I think <laughs> this year they're not sharing it for obvious reasons. Um, but I mean, it's not bad. It's, it's actually not a bad, uh, not a bad stadium whatsoever. So yeah, they're, they are going to be the Florida Blue Jays for, for a good while. <laughs> Maybe um, it brings it back to their roots, kind of playing in those those uh, high school fields and stuff like that. So it could. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how they do. 
<laughs> see, that's where where you guys, you and Kim, need to take a trip down here and, and actually see them playing in Dunedin because Phillies, of course, they're the only time we're going to see them unless they well they play the Rays, so they will be down here in Tampa. I'm hoping to go to that game, and then of course the Marlins, but nobody wants to go to see the Marlins because I think they get two fans per game or, or some ridiculousness. <laughs> <laughs> Marlins don't sell it, unfortunately. Um, I will say now, going back as far as history, so those who are listening tonight, well, you'll be able to hear the show come tomorrow. So you have Kim Perrant, which is Bernie Perrant's daughter. And Kim, I will say your dad, he is like, good Lord, and, and I forget the guy's name from, actually from Dos Equis, who is uh, Sherman. You remember the guy's, uh, the actual guy's name? The actual guy's name? The guy with yeah. the beard? No, to put me in a spot. I don't remember the guy's name. Like, you know, I don't do this, but when I do, I drink yeah. Dos Equis. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. I, I don't know the guy's name. I don't know the, I don't know the guy's name, though. Yeah, but... Ryan, I don't know if you remember what his name is at all. Kind of that guy? Yeah. Because I can't remember the actor's name who, who did yeah. the commercial. But Bernie, if you look at Bernie, anytime you've seen Bernie around the wells, it's almost without Bernie saying anything, like he could just walk up to someone and look him dead in their eyes and be the same way. If When I don't come to the Flyers game, you know, I, I drink my favorite beer, whatever it is, it, like Bernie <laughs> could sell anything. Like that's how great his personality is. And I've never seen him. As many Flyers games that I've been to, whether it was at the old Spectrum, which very well missed, very well missed. And Cam, I want to see if you have some stories from there as well. But Bernie's always been a guy who's he's always stopped no matter what. He could be climbing the, the stairs going up to the suite. No matter where he is, and, and Bernie turns around real quick, talks to everyone. I mean, probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And I was just telling Murphy, who was on with us last Thursday, when Murphy came down here to Clearwater, he was standing, talking to a fan. And I said to my girlfriend, who's uh, my producer, that, oh, by the way, there's Greg Murphy. And, and there was, because he was talking to someone, you don't want to interrupt someone just to be like, hi, how you doing? So we walked by, kind of gave him a quick wave. He waved back. And I told him that, but it was a kind of a little bit of funnier story the way I ended up telling him. But with Bernie, it's the same exact way. Like you can be walking, he can be talking to somebody. And it, it's like he has almost like that eagle vision when he was a goalie. You could be at least three mezzanines away. And if he can see that hand real quick, go talk, wave, and come back. It's just your dad is amazing, I will say. Amazing guy and you know, always a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, and he's like that all the time. Like it's not just, you know, he turns on for the fans. But like that's his personality. And, um, you know, when I was little, uh, I would get frustrated because whenever we went out, everyone would steal my dad's attention from me, you know, like it was my time. <laughs> So I didn't understand when I was little, but um, now I like so respect that he's that way and just, you know, so good to every fan. It doesn't matter who it is or he's just, he is, he's, he's phenomenal in that sense for sure. But he's like the time, like that's him. (laughs) And and I think that's what his, his character, you know, he's a champion, right? And that's what champions do. That's why, you know, he won cups. um, He helped bond that team. And um, he's just, you know, that's why I say I train young athletes and I very emphasize, you know, a lot of these players, they get down on their knee, they stop, they talk, they sign stuff. Those are the champions. Those are the guys who last, who take the time to, you know, connect with their fans and, and, you know, show the love for them. I, that's, that's what I try to show my kids is, you know, be like Bernie. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, It's true because you're talking about, there's also now two different eras, because if you look at it, even Corey, like with your dad, when 
you're talking about guys who played in the league beforehand. And it's, you know, you're looking at the same way with Bernie Perrant, seven years in as an expansion team, who would have thought they would have won not just that one cup, but back-to-back cups. It, it's something completely ridiculous and, and something you don't see anymore. I think the, the, the Panthers got close, but then end up winning the Stanley Cup. Obviously, the Lightning was the other expansion team. They've won now their second one. But it was pretty insane how the guys back then who won the championships were more personal because you have some guys today, and I can name one particularly down here who wears the number 12 that wasn't so personal beforehand. But being down here in Florida and seeing how the fans, re, you know, the reception for him during the boat parade, now he's more susceptible to talk to people like, hey, you know, thanks for coming to the game or thanks for being a fan. And, and he, there's a lot of New England fans down here because a lot of people from North obviously moved down to Florida. You also have the Snowbirds. But it's just it's interesting with both men. From coming from the 60s, obviously they both played out until 1979. But even then, all those guys from beforehand are just more personal. They You can talk to them a lot more. They'll tell more stories. Like You feel a better connection with some of the players today because you have some guys that have won championships. And it's like, yeah, I see you. Thanks. I'm glad you're celebrating, but I don't have time for you. And I think if you're going to be a champion, for me, in, in my own opinion, I think you should take that time because the fans is what gets you guys to where you are today. And if it wasn't for the fans, you know, paying the money for these tickets, selling out these venues, you know, you could be playing in a complete empty venue like you did during COVID. So a lot of respect for both gentlemen, because it, it's, it's nice to see that to this day that you can run into them, talk to them and, and just as personal as it was years ago. But Kim, I, I want to kind of throw it back a little bit. How many times did you get to visit the spectrum before uh, they decided to tear it down and move over to the wells? Um, like towards the end, like when, I mean, I, it was, I couldn't watch them knock it down. I couldn't even watch. Um, I did go over and take a lot of photos before they knocked it down. And, um, it was just so sad. I mean, I grew up running around those hallways. I grew up down in all the little, you know, coves downstairs, you know, all the little secret places and everything. Like we grew up down there. So it was really sad to see it go. This, the stale cigarette smell and beer and sticky floors and like it was great you know and the sound was so good there it was just such a awesome place to watch a game so that was that was so sad i mean i know it has to happen obviously but it was just it was hard to see that come down sherman you look like you're ego to ask something when when you talk about respect you have to talk about hockey and you have to talk about the end of a playoff series in hockey where one of the greatest tradition in all of sports is the handshake at the end of a series. And I would be curious to know from both of you with your father's experiences in that handshake line at the end of a playoff series, was there ever a time where your fathers were like, okay, I got to shake this guy's hand, but this guy just scored the winning goal on me or he was crashing into the net the entire series Did either one of your father's, uh, have they ever told a story of a time where, like, yeah, I shook this guy's hand, but, like, oh, man, this guy was just such a pain in the you-know-where. And, like, yeah, I did it, but I didn't, like, really want to do it. That's actually a good question. I don't know. I'll have to ask my dad that one because he's never told me a story, and um, there could be. I don't know. I'll have to find that out and get back to you. What about you, Cor? I th- well, my dad was on the Rockies. They didn't, they didn't make many playoff games, so there wasn't a lot of handshaking there. <laughs> And then uh, in Toronto during the the Ballard days, um, 
they had the three goalie system. So I'm not sure, you know, how many years they made the playoffs in those days. So, um, yeah, I, that's, that's a great question. I'd, I'd love to ask my dad. Um, yeah, no, it's, that's a really good question. Maybe let next me, time Ron, we'll have an answer for you. <laughs> let me let me ask this: Do you think that the handshake at the end of a playoff series is the greatest tradition in sports? As hockey people, it's awesome. Yeah, I, totally, I I love it. Just the respect, and I mean, even when with everything with Oscar and him being sick, and how you know the away teams uh, cheered when he came on the ice too, and just. I, I just I just think it's such a awesome sport and yeah, I totally agree with the respect and the handshake and I don't know, it's just it's I love it. I love the NHL. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how much they'll be shaking hands now that um, you know yeah. doing elbows. At yeah, somewhere. how does that work? This year, <laughs> elbows, I guess. <laughs> you know, just you know, slap each other's gloves on the way down because you can't really yeah. do the handshake. But no, that, listen, that's one thing. That's a great point, Sherman, because for me, it's. And, and we know that most of us didn't get the opportunity of playing a major league sport because if it's either you know the direction of life you decided to go, I, I will say personally from my end, um, as far as video games are concerned, so I'll, <laughs> I'll play as the Flyers and I will play on amateur just so I can get to the Stanley Cup and then win it just so I can see everybody on the ice because I think there's no better celebration <laughs> other than maybe the, the Lombardi Trophy. But when you see those guys, you got to think about it. It's so hard in hockey to win the Stanley Cup. And, and Kim, you said it before we went on air here that it's you, you're you not guaranteed to get there. Like even if you – let's just say you were able to make it last year like the Dallas Stars did against Tampa. It's not a guarantee that you're getting back there again this season to try and win the Stanley Cup this time around even though they have won it in the past. So to me, it's one of those moments like it's, it's such a team celebration that it's the coolest thing that you could ever see and obviously being the coolest game on earth. But just having the guys on the ice, the players and the coaches behind standing around, and then the Stanley Cup, I, I, I don't think there's a bigger celebration. And, Brian, I don't know, you can tell me, the Blackhawks has also, they've won the Stanley Cup. So, And won actually multiple in, in an era, if I remember correctly. But is there a much cooler celebration than, than the NHL Stanley Cup? Well, they won three in five years, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, to, you have to remember something. They hadn't won a cup since 61. Right. So it had been it had been close to 40 years. Um, you know, now the Maple Leafs, you know, it's been longer than that, you know, and then everything that went down with the Rangers, if you remember, they hadn't won one in 50 years. And now it's been almost 30 years since they won the last one. So, I mean, as far as the handshake goes, I will almost put money down right now to say that I'm sure most of the players will probably have a story about, you know what? Yeah, we're walking through the line, and I had to shake this guy's hand, but I so just wanted to drop the gloves and punch this guy in the neck. Hey, I will uh, almost guarantee it. But yeah. it's just, it's just that, it's just that thing where you battle it out for sixty minutes. Sometimes over time, you can't stand them. You want to rip somebody's head off, but then you have to calm down and bring yourself together and show the respect. To, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys that probably don't want to do it because I'm sure there's a lot of guys that didn't have respect mm -hmm. for certain players. But it's it's just that it's just that tradition. It's great. You don't see it in the NBA. You don't see it in the NFL. You don't see it in Major League Baseball. You know, guys might walk over, hey man, good game, or you know, like good friends and stuff like that. But you don't see it like you do in the NHL. 
I hope they never. I hope they never do away with it. It's fantastic, and you just, you just, as a player, I know when I played football, basketball, and baseball. After playing a the game, there were certain players that I were just like, man, if I just in the parking lot or something. But you know, after the game, you're just like, you got it. You got to compose yourself. All right, we battled. It's over, <laughs> and you go and shake much respect and. Yeah, man, it's 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 a great it's a great tradition. Just just like grabbing the cup when you win the cup, and everybody gets to touch it and kiss it and hold it, and you skate around with it. There is, and I think Sherman and I have talked about this before. There is no greater playoffs in the world than the NHL playoffs. You know why? Because yeah. the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball. You sort of have an inkling as the season's going on, and when you get to the end of the year, you sort of have a, a good feeling of who's probably going to make it and who's going to win it. In the NHL, perfect example, I can't remember if it was 2016 or 17, Blackhawks had a great season. They were the number one seed. They got they get knocked off by the Preds the first round, and the Preds were the eighth seed that year. Hockey, you just never know, and that's what I love all sports, and I love playoffs. But there is no greater playoff system than the NHL. Yeah. You, you talk about the handshaking, uh, the Boston Montreal series. Uh, Milan Lucic took that to a whole new level when uh, they were shaking the hands and he grabbed Dale Weiss and he told him, You're going to get it. And <laughs> with, with all the video and the cameras and the mics and everything, it was caught. So that I think kind of that shows you a player like that is so passionate about the game. Uh, going through that handshake. Now I look at it as I always, you, you watch as players, they play, the, the top players battle each other, the tough guys battle each other. Everybody tends to kind of group and battle each other. But in the end, in that lineup, you know, it, it's over. It, it's behind you. The game stays on the ice. And I think just, yeah, a lot of guys have respect. But the guys who have the passion like Lucic, yeah, they're going to say something to you in the lineup. <laughs> well, here, here's, a, here, here's a perfect example Corey, did Matthew Barnaby played for Buffalo, didn't he? He did, yes. Right. How many players in the league at the time who played against him just wanted to, oh, yep. man, if I could just get one. But yep. you yep. know what I mean? You just, you just had to show that respect. But I, he I was see, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, I see Barnaby quite a bit. He, he just bought a cottage up north here, but I see him at some uh, charity stuff around here. And um, <clears throat> him and Lyle Odeline hated each other. And um, I think they just got together a little while ago, and it was great listening to those two guys who absolutely hated each other just tell stories about how they hated each other and how they, you know, it's like, man, I can't wait to, you know, kick the shit out of O-Line tonight. And he was like, <laughs> I can't wait to kick the shit out of Barnaby. And, and here's two guys, you know, 25 years later, just, yeah, that was great. We did our job. They just, and they have so much respect for each other, right? So, you know, it, it, it's nice. It is a good bond after, you know, once you leave the game, so. Well, we've found in our podcast too, people that like certain players, like Brian Prop, when he got hit by uh, Chelios, and yeah. and that was never there was never any they never saw each other after that. There was never apology. There was never they're still like, yeah, there you know. And some of like the other players and people they played against that they hated to play against and stuff. So it's kind of fun to to find all that out doing our podcast. Yeah, I bet it is. And, you know, it's interesting because you, if, you know, if we're going back to the areas here, when it comes to flyers and looking back in history, 
Of course, we had Bobby Clark with the Flyers as well. And like my daughter, when she lost her teeth up front, when she was going through her teasing, her teething period, I said, hey, look, it's Bobby Clark. And she looked, what, Dad? Hold on. <laughs> Let me play this. You can understand what's going on. So there's like certain things. Even some players today, when you see them, their teeth out, of course, everyone who lived in Philadelphia was one of those things like, hey, Bobby Clark, what's going on? And if you say to somebody now, they just, same way, they just look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? It's like, yeah, listen, it's the NHL. You got to go back some time. If you live in Philly, no, you live in Philly. Well, then forget about it. You'll never understand. Look it up, YouTube, you'll understand. So it, it's fun. There's a lot of things that were, that were done beforehand that you probably couldn't get away with now. I mean, the fights are are somewhat like the way it was beforehand, but you're talking about guys getting into fights before with <laughs> basically no gloves, no helmet, no anything. I mean, next to nothing for gear and just beating, you know, the everlane crap out of each other for the most part. Now they tend to break it up a little bit more, but nothing's funnier watching a guy throw his gloves down and a closed fist and punching a face mask. Like you're not getting through here. It's just, it's all there, but... As far as the, the history, Kim, and, and I know for your dad being able to win the Stanley Cup again two years back-to-back, back, and for him, I guess up until this day, does he still have that feeling like he, he's the only one so far in Flyers history to do so? Uh, probably the last time since the Flyers have done anything whatsoever. But does he still ignite a fire at times with him? Like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm still a champ in my eyes. I'm still a champ in the, in the heart of, of champions of Philadelphia. And, and if he's ever down, does he ever reflect back on winning those two Stanley Cups? And, and does he still believe it to this day that he was able to do that? And just, again, a team that's only been in the league for seven years. Yeah, I mean, he'll still, when he's telling stories or something's coming up, he'll still get a little emotional. And sometimes he's like, he feels like, it, you know, it just happened. Um, uh, like playing the Winter Classic was huge for him he really um just got so much out of that and that like took him right back too but yeah mvp mvp (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah ron duguay was very uh respectful there for shooting that uh puck right in my in the bread basket of my (laughs) but um yeah no he still totally respects what they did and still will get emotional at times and you know it's it's something that's so super special um, that doesn't happen to a lot of people. So, yeah, he definitely carries that with him still. I don't know if, um, when he's down, he reflects back and that kind of stuff. I, I don't know about that, but I do know that he still uh, does get emotional about it at times. Corey, I know your, your dad, which uh, I, I, I never knew until I started kind of looking back at it. So your dad reached out to someone or I, if I remember the way the story is told, as far as when it came to the mask, and they had one called the pretzel mask, which yeah. now I'm thinking, of course, because when you think of a pretzel, you actually think of the actual pretzel itself. So when I first heard it, I'm like, why in the world would someone put like a band around their face and have these two ridiculous, ridiculous holes when it looks like a pretzel? <laughs> but then I understood like the meaning behind it. So does your dad still own his original pretzel mask or is that somewhere in uh, in the NHL Hall of Fame? Um, no, his his original painted mask, which was an Ernie Higgins, the, the original one he, he wore in Philly, um, that one is in, in the Hall of Fame. Um, the pretzel mask... Um, was I think they were earlier on just when they're starting maybe in Oklahoma City, but um, I think my dad and Bernie both started wearing the pretzel mask at the same time. And back then it was just a guy shows up and, hey, you know, 
where try this it's all right. right so and after games or they get traded it was just you know the the, the equipment manager packed your stuff and your 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 mask was just in your bag um the great stories are the you know how many times the masks have been stolen returned mm -hmm. um bernie had one thrown in into the stands yeah. um, but i did last uh, two years ago for my dad's birthday because he didn't know where the pretzel mask went he thought maybe um somewhere along the line um, it went up for an auction or something somewhere back to raise money for charity um but like i said he just um they just packed their their mass in a bag and you know hopefully when they got to the next city it was in there but um yeah i had a replica made up a couple years ago to give to my dad which was a very good replica and uh like i said i was i was going to get one made up for kim because man it's it's a pretty cool part of history but the original ones don't know where they are I, I again watching a, a, a clip from it, it it's kind of insane when they, they told him to turn sideways only half of the ear was covered that's why i said yeah. it's, it's insane oh, what these guys did back I, I watched, compared to now i watched the clip against boston and i can't remember who it was but somebody took a clapper from the top of the circle uh the face-off dot hit my dad like right between the eyes and honestly they they just stopped the game for five minutes the guy he'll he's good he's up he's good and he's back in net and today you know you'd be out for the season but and that's what my dad said he goes it basically just you know if you're getting 20 stitches you, with the mask you're only getting 10. so and and my dad lost all his teeth when he's 12 years old playing goal so like wow. he lost his front teeth so i always wanted to ask him that does your dad have are those all his teeth he's got um veneers and stuff but okay I don't know. Like, I never remember my dad uh, taking his teeth, like not having his teeth. You know, like the Bobby Clark thing, or all and all that. I we used to. We'd always go for milkshakes. My dad would always take his teeth out and drop yeah. it in our milkshake, and then <laughs> put his teeth back. And, stuff. So it was, and it would, would always take his teeth out. He'd be in the <laughs> talk to you, like, his teeth out. But um, yeah, no, I don't think my dad. He he was one of the um, goalies that never played without a mask like even like the story Corey was talking about when there was fights and there was like a bench crawl um clearing fight or something like that and someone took his mask and threw it into the stands and they wanted him to still go out and play without the mask which you <laughs> could do back then you know my dad was like yeah you're right he's like you know get someone else in here but um he always always wore a mask he he wasn't one to play without it so I guess that saved his teeth a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> Sherman, I don't know if you had something there. When your dads were playing on the road, was there a favorite city that they played in and was there a least favorite city that they played in? I think my dad's favorite city would be back in Philadelphia. Or um, I know the, the Western road trips were pretty fun. Uh, California seemed like a good time. Um, heard stories about guys getting pretty sunburned and not being able to play the games. But um, I, I think uh, just returning to, to cities you used to play in and the Western road trips out, you know, in California and that, I think the guys had a lot of fun. My dad always talks about um, when he went back and played in Montreal, because that's where he grew up and watching the guys play. So for him then to be in there in that arena playing, um, you know, was, was really cool for him. So I, I would think it'd be Montreal for my dad. Sherman, nice. you got something else? No, I, I'll just comment with what Kim said. I don't know if right. any of you 
have ever been to the old Montreal Forum or not, but I had the opportunity to go there for a Flyers-Habs game years ago on a Saturday night in Montreal. It was The place was lit. It was really a cool place to go for a hockey game. I mean, you'll never be able to see that again because the Forum is not where the Canadians are playing anymore. But if you've ever had the opportunity to go there, it's really a fantastic site. And for hockey, it's one of the historic sites in hockey. Yeah, and I never those, saw a game there. Did you no, the Canadian fans, though, I, I've been there before. I haven't seen a game, but um, but I know, again, like Toronto, you know, games in Canada, our fans are electric here. Like, it's it's their passion. So I can now, imagine that. Okay. Now, is that, is that the same on the West Coast as well? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, the, the, as far as fan? You yeah, know, like, like, like the games in Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver. Like, you think of Canadian hockey, you think of – uh, Ottawa and Toronto and Montreal being yeah. that we're on the East yeah. Coast. But then you think about Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver. Would you say that the passion of the Canadian fans in those Western cities is just as strong as Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa? I think so because there's big rivalries between uh, Edmonton and Calgary. Um, we would always stay up late to watch those games. Um, yeah, I just think because of the big rivalries across mm -hmm. across Canada there, I think you know, the fans are very passionate, you know, I think what Vancouver almost burned their city down the one year or something. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Philly during the playoffs it is so, especially that year that uh, you t uh, beat us for the cup there, Chicago, but um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, so, <laughs> the, the spectrum was awesome because just, it was always so loud. And Wells Fargo is too, but like the playoffs, I took, um, my son is 11, so I took him to those playoff games and he was a newborn, like he was, not not newborn, but he was really, really little. And I swear he's got like hearing, because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have those little things for them to wear during the games then, but it's, it gets pretty electric and awesome in there during yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, they definitely say that J.J. Daniels' goal against the Edmonton Oilers in the Stanley Cup Finals in 87 was one of the loudest that the Philadelphia oh. Spectrum ever was. Yeah, I mean, God, the Spectrum was just, I mean, you can't beat it. Like, there's there's just no comparison. All the old stadiums yeah. were, were the fun ones to watch the games in. You know, but, yeah, it, it gets pretty fun in there in, in the Wells Fargo. Because our fans are really passionate Eagles is probably like the biggest Philly sport, I would think, right? But like our Flyers fans are so, so passionate. Yeah, no, that they are. You got to figure, and it, and it's true. Listen, I, I can many stories I can tell from when it comes to to the spectrum, and it's we we know that we like the new fancy stadiums. Obviously, the Vets gone. You have Citizens Bank Park the same way with the Spectrum. I think the electricity in the Spectrum versus the Wells. It, it's just it's night and day because you can you can almost literally take the seats the backings off at, at the spectrum and just throw it halfway across the, the venue if you wanted to because that, that's how old it was but that's how much fun it was as well because there's if I wish to get if if they're gonna find a way to turn it into a museum I would have even been happy with that but yeah. you know in modern times I know Xfinity Live bought it out and all that good fun stuff but I mean it it throws you back and I don't know you can't you can't make that same kind of magic happen at the wells even though it is electric at wells at the time mm -hmm. at times but it there's nothing like the spectrum there'll never be anything like the spectrum i agree and just having this 
stadium being smaller. It keeps it. I feel like the noise vibrates more and just, yeah. I feel like also as they move to the new stadium, ticket prices right, you know, got higher and the parking. And so there's a lot more corporate people there and not, you know, I, I think that changed a lot with the, um, with the new stadium too, but cause it's not a, an affordable night out for everybody, you know? Right. Yeah. So, no, it's true. And, and, uh, and the reason why I brought up the mass as well, because if, if do you guys know where you can actually get like the new modern mass now? Anybody? Like as far as like the, um, like the cage, the combo cage unit that the guys use, or are you talking like the actual mask? Uh, maybe a little more modern than that. And, and the reason why I bring it up, because if you can find it, you could probably find it over at biscuitees.com. <laughs> there you <It's> go. <laughs> a whole different kind of mask. I'm talking about these masks here that everybody's wearing. Of course. There we go. So that kind of mask, but no, Corey, you were on, you were on the right track, but yeah. If, and Kim, the reason why I brought it up because I can see your shirt and, and Kim is the co-founder, also the artist of biscuitees.com. And, yep. I was because I was thinking tonight, so I I have on our company shirt, and I wanted to wear a Flyers jersey, but because the studio lighting gets so hot, I know I was starting melting, and I ended up looking like I'm going to melt on in front of the camera here. But I, I was I was looking around even earlier. The hats and the shirts that you guys have here on the website, I mean, they're phenomenal. They're good looking, and I need to get this one right here, just because there was a, a teacher that I ran into today. That's from also South Philly that moved down here. And I actually had my Eagles hat on at work. And so he was like, man, no way. Another Philly family. Like, yeah. He goes, uh, what about hockey? I'm like, listen, I, I live down here. And I celebrate with Tampa Bay, but flyers, flyers, it's orange and black all day. But it, <laughs> this is some great stuff. And, and you guys, for the listeners, you can't see it at the moment. But if you go to biscuitteas.com, you can see everything that we're reviewing now from beanies to masks to hats to T-shirts. All great looking merchandise. So biscuitees.com. Take a look. I mean, it, it's just, it's great stuff. So that's kind of why I was hinting around a little bit to the math. So selfishly, you know, just a little, little plug if, if I possibly could. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, we've had so much fun starting. It's only about three years old. And of course, COVID this past year. But like, um, we just, you know, our stuff is just so comfy and we wanted an old school vibe. And uh, it's just fun working in the hockey world you know keeping everything kind of like you know it's it's in our blood so it's it's been a lot of fun yeah you're if you're the co who's the other co-founder is that you Corey? no uh jody smith is the other co-founder yeah with, me and my with, friend jody we uh yeah. okay yeah. Well, it's it, listen. It's cool gear. I, I was checking out earlier today because even I, I need to update update my wardrobe a little bit down here for these Tampa folks because there's <laughs> so I make fun of the Bucks all the time because prior to them winning the Super Bowl this year, they have the name of their facility where they end up practicing is called One Buck Place, and I would always say there's one Buck fan that goes into the stands <laughs> because it was any team that comes into down in Tampa Bay over at Ray J Stadium. It's all of your visiting team and then maybe like a handful of Buccaneer fans. But, of course, this year, the tides turn, Bucks end up winning the Super Bowl, and, and they fill it now at the capacity. So we'll see what happens come next year. And Tom Brady's signing on for another two years. he got a, a contract extension. So it's going to be interesting down here in Tampa Bay. But great gear, by the way, Kim. Thank and you. Before I end up wrapping things up, there's, there's again, because I talked about in the beginning, and if you guys are just tuning in, we have Kim Perrant and Corey Favell, the – son and daughter of not the same of course of bernie and doug so again thank you guys for taking the time to be with us tonight also 
If you guys get a chance, the Parent Favel Generation X podcast, listen to it. A great listen. And you can listen, you just click on their Twitter, click on the Twitter handle inside the Twitter feed. You will see where you can click onto the link that'll take you to the podcast. And again, the last podcast you guys had was it was a lot of fun. And actually, if if I had to lie, I, I listened to it about two more times today only. Uh, not because you guys were coming on, because it was just that great. It's nice to hear the history behind it. Well, I think Pico Rushes comes out tomorrow because that one's a lot of fun too. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Teacher, ooh, 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 I have a question. Teacher. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was going to ask Corey, I was going to piggyback off something that uh, Angel was talking about. Corey. Yes. Talk to me about Favel Fitness and my medicinal my way, my friend. And I'm, how's your daughter? My daughter's doing uh, really well. Yeah. Um, like I said, we're, we're in a pandemic up here. So um, it, it's been a, a, a year of uh, lockdowns, but um, she's doing good. Yep. And uh, yeah, medicinal my way was just, I became an ambassador through um, just through natural medicine and, and kind of the, what I'd went through with my daughter and, and the mental health here in uh, Ontario. And it was just something, you know, that basically uh, kind of saved her life. So that was something I felt, you know, I should uh, be a voice for. And um, Favel Fitness is, um, I have a technology um, that uh, is motorized resistance training. Uh, it's, it's without weights or gravity. It's, it's computer uh, monitorized software. So I just, from 14 year old kids to, you know, 75 year old former athletes, it's, it's a great uh, workout tool to build strength. So that's something that I focus on for Vel Fitness. Um, I do have a lot of younger 14 to 16 year old elite hockey players that I work with. So I just found doing the podcast and everything with Kim, we, we do a lot of networking and it, it helps a lot of my, a lot of my clients out as well, finding, you know, places for them to play and, and teams to try out for. So I appreciate you asking. Thank and you. he said he's been <laughs> down to Philly, FYI. So. Yeah, and um, <laughs> because I've been kind of handcuffed up here, yeah, I'm 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 in the, the transition of moving everything down um, to the Philly area, and uh, yeah, start start to hopefully work with some uh, some former players and some some younger athletes down in that area. So looking forward to that. Right, to keep great. to keep things a little bit lighter, Corey, can you tell us about the Anchor Bar in Buffalo? I love a good chicken wing. I love a good buffalo wing. And I've never been to the Anchor Bar in Buffalo. But can you just tell us about the comparison, if there oh. even is one, between the Anchor Bar wings and the so-called wings that we have in the Philadelphia area and I'm sure in Tampa, Florida? Oh, my God. Well, being on the board, well, so I don't have a big family. My my cousin is a doctor over at the uh, the hospital in Buffalo there. So he lives right just off Chippewa Street which if anyone knows Buffalo, any of the players, they always Chippewa street is the place. Um, there's a giant bar there. Um, it's called the anchor bar. It's about three levels. Um, my cousin actually, uh, had his, uh, the night before he got married, we all went to the anchor bar. Buffalo is just known for chicken wings and pizza. Everyone in St. Catharines, Niagara falls drives over the border to get chicken wings and, and pizza. But the anchor bar is the spot. Uh, when, when my dad was, was coaching in, in Buffalo there, they used to joke uh, that, that he'd come in late after the anthem because he was over at the anchor bar or sometimes he'd come in in the third period because he was over at Crawdaddy's. Crawdaddy's was a big one, but, but the anchor bar, that's where the players go. That's, that's, 
it's it's a three level you know great big bar on the you know the harbor front there in buffalo now is it all about the sauce or is it all about the size of the wing i i think it's about the saw i think it's about you know the, the amount of grease that they deep fry them in <laughs> and um yeah like i mean <laughs> yeah it i don't know it's just something it's and, and the pizza just the american style sort of pizza i don't know i always say it's just kind of the oil and the grease they put into it but um it's amazing no it's buffalo's legendary for their for their wings that's for i don't sure. eat meat anymore i haven't for like, for like 11 <laughs> years but when i did i loved wings and for me it was always about the sauce it was yeah. always about the sauce. Right. Could you could you see Kim punching me through like the screen there as I'm talking about chicken wings? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to love my my chicken wings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I can't imagine Buffalo pizza being as good as our East Coast pizza. I mean, yeah. I can't. I'll have to try it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Good point. That is very good point. I mean, you have. Hmm, I don't know. It, I think East Coast pizza would probably end up beating it hands down. I'm almost certain. Yeah, but I think so too. I think plant based is the way to go now. Is that that's, <laughs> that's what Kim and I have discovered? Plant based. I find yes. a lot of my a lot of my athletes. I'm telling you, and a lot of pro athletes um, are going plant based. They're finding mm -hmm. you know they're getting all their proteins uh, from plant based products, hemp hearts and stuff. So I always say gorillas don't eat meat, and they're they're one of the strongest mammals. So it, it there's got to be some science behind it. So. If they have a a, a plant-based Chicago deep dish pizza, I'm, <laughs> all, I'm, all, I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah. I, my daughter lives in Chicago now, and um, and the first thing when we went out there is we had the pizza. She's like, Mom, you I, obviously I didn't get meat on mine, but it was so, so, so good. <laughs> well, it's a, it, Ryan, it's the same thing too, isn't what it? The, the Chicago hot dog, it's also very famous as well. Never had the hot dog, but I did. I mean, the, uh, the deep dish pizza. Oh, uh -huh. my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's oh. So, you I, can't eat much of it because it's just so thick. heavy, but yep. it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I want to show before I let you guys both go here tonight, because I did talk about it. I want to show first Bernie's flashback. It's about, about a four and a half minute video. And it just it. The reason why I'm bringing it up for, for everyone who's listening in tonight, which you won't be able to view it, but you will be able to see it in a, in a future episode. It's just, for one, it's nostalgic. And for two, the equipment, maybe, maybe the little bit of equipment that it had was something else. But I, I want to show it just to kind of bring a little bit of uh, a little bit of perspective as well when it comes to the show. So let me bring this up and then I'll get your thoughts as soon as we're, we're done watching the video here. is for the magnificent performance by Bernie Perron, the premier goaltender of the NHL. Montreal native Bernie Perrant grew up watching the Canadians and idolizing their goaltender. My idol was Pierre Plan. I loved him. His sister lived next door to us, so he used to come in once a year during the summer. I forget this. He would get out of his big car. He had a hat on, big cigar. He'd walk around. I watched him. I was too scared to shake hands with him. Perrant eventually got the chance to meet and learn from his childhood hero when they became teammates in 1971. He was a goalie, 
in Toronto. He was 43 years old at the time. It was incredible. I would watch him during the games. And finally, I asked him, I said, can you teach me? And go and said, sure. So that changed my whole uh, career. Jock was a very good angle goaltender. So he used to bring these strings and ropes out in the ice, and, and uh, he'd prove to Bernie, if you play in this position, you'll blit this shot. If you play that position, you'll be in control of the shots when they come to you. A year later, Perrant moved on from the Leafs, taking with him the lessons learned from Plot. What I learned from him was the understanding of the game. Perrant is a landmark figure for the Philadelphia Flyers. They had selected him from Boston in the 1967 expansion draft, and he was their top goaltender for three and a half years before being traded to Toronto. But in 1973, he returned to Philadelphia, continuing his success in the net while beginning to forge his place in hockey history. It's a stand-up goaltender, never went down. He always steered the pucks to the corners. You know, if there was a shot in net, you know where it had to go to retrieve it to get control of the puck again. Some great goaltending by Bernie Perrant. Classic skate save. Played his angle extremely well. Very, very seldom you cut Bernie down, and that's why he was tough to score on. In 73-74, Perrant began one of the most historic goaltending runs in hockey history winning a record 47 games, a mark that would stand for 33 years. Well, I think like every player, when you get to the playoffs, uh, your game rises, and his did. Perrant led the Flyers to the franchise's first Stanley Cup final, and they faced off against the Boston Bruins. I think Boston took us a little bit lightly, because we were an expansion thing, only seven years in existence. We would never won the, the first cup wasn't for Bernie, because three minutes to go in the game, and Ken Hodge come down, let the shot go. And I'm, I'm on the bench, sitting on the bench. I could see the shot angling, get going for the wide far post. And Bernie just happened to stick his two out there just as it was going in the net. And I think we all knew that we we're going to win the cup there. Ladies and gentlemen, the Flyers are going to win the Stanley Cup. Bernie Perron is the winner of the Tide Trophy as the most valuable player in all of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And he was indeed right. Perron capped off his historic season by bringing home the Vezina Trophy. All of this success was only fuel for him to burn the following season as the Flyers played their way right back to the Stanley Cup final. It's all over. The Flyers have won the second in a row. The Flyers have won their second consecutive Stanley Cup. Well, I think I think he actually played better in the second series against Buffalo in the finals. Uh, it, we had taken a lot of penalties, and Buffalo had some players that could really shoot the puck. They had the great Gilbert Perot. They had the French connection there. Bernie was on his game then, and that he was really instrumental in that second cup. The most valuable player in the playoff, Bernie Perron, wins it the second year in a row. Now, the second year, we won in Buffalo. We got on the plane, a charter back to Philly. We put the Stanley Cup in the middle of the aisle. The whole plane got quiet. All we did for a half hour is look at this beautiful trophy. It was so beautiful. Perron once again won the Vezina, completing one of the most commanding stretches ever for a goaltender. In 1979, Perrant suffered an eye injury that cut his career short. But his historic era for the Broad Street Bullies will live long in memory. Five or six years there, he was the best in the game. That's pretty good. You have a goal, you have a vision, whatever you want to do in life, don't quit. You know, there'll be times where it's going to be dark, but you keep pushing, and eventually you get the rewards. Beautiful thing. Let me start bringing everybody's mic back up here. 
Sherman. There you go. All right. So now the reason why I brought that up as we were talking about it here before the clip came on and, and Kim, I don't know if you ever shared the stories that we just saw here. And again, if you guys want to see that, you can look it up on YouTube as far as going back with, with some history with Bernie. You're talking about inches away. This man did not have a mask on They're They're, you know, at practice inches away from that puck hit him in the face and him you can see in the video like eh, whatever another day and you know on the ice but it's just it's amazing again the history that both gentlemen have because i also have a clip for Corey as well but the history behind it all and and i don't know kim has he ever pulled out whether it's you know good i'm trying to think it was real to real back then then you had your bcrs so has he ever pulled something out and and actually sat down even when you were a kid and just showed you like the accomplishment of what it took to actually get there no he wasn't one um like we had so much memorabilia and so many uh, trophies and you know the videos and all that you know his rings were uh really like, the most special to him but um no, he never, never uh, really pulled out the film and stuff for us. I mean, we had them, and my brother and I would watch them and pop them in once in a while, but uh, just on our own. Well, I did. So I was trying to see. I, I did send your dad a, a tweet today on, on Twitter, and I tried to reach out to him to see if he can give me like a, just a little bit of a story of you when you were a child. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get back to me. So if you haven't talked to Bernie, just let him know that, by the way, if, if he can get back to me, it would be fantastic. But I, I try to get a story so he can be like, I can tell you the story and be like, how in the world would he know that? And I can just say your dad told me. But unfortunately, he didn't reach back out. But yeah, I, I think, know it was last minute. I think those, those guys are still trying to, to figure out the social media. <laughs> so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. But Corey, I want to show one for, from your dad as well. And we talked about it earlier as far as the pretzel mask, which is going to end up showing on the clip here. So I want to bring this one up as well. So give me a, give me a moment here as I bring that one up. Let me bring up this screen. So ladies and gentlemen, this player could have been Easily on the higher echelon of goaltenders for uh, the NHL in the 1970s, uh, uh, but due to an unforeseen uh, set of circumstances, he was mired in uh, with two of the worst, uh, what do you call, uh, defenses of the era, Toronto's in the mid-70s and the Colorado Rockies of the late 70s, because he was having a, a difficult opportunity really reestablishing career after his major time with Philadelphia came to an end. So today we're going to be talking about the curious case of Doug Favell. Now, Douglas Robert Favell uh, uh, played uh, the majority of his professional sporting career as a goalie, but it was also a noted box lacrosse player, very hard sport. Now, he played in the NHL, like I said, for the Flyers, the Leafs, and the Rockies. Now, Favell, along with future Flyers teammate Bernie Perrault, played his junior hockey for the Niagara Falls Flyers in the OHA. After club won the Memorial Cup in 65, both goalies began their professional careers in the Boston organization who held their rights. Over the next two seasons, Favell played in the Bruins farm system. Now, Favell, like uh, Tony Esposito, was one of the few goaltenders then to employ the now popular butterfly style, often going down to uh, on the ice to block shots in an era where stand-up dominated. Now, with the arrival of the six NHL expansion teams in 67-68, Favell and Perron were selected by the Flyers in the expansion draft. The goalie split the work that first season and led the Flyers 
to a first place finish in the NHL's Western Division. Now, Favelle had a stellar 2.27 goals against average with four shutouts, and uh, both goalies played for the Flyers until Para was dealt to the Maple Leafs in February 71, which we talk about in the two part uh, Bernie Para Perron podcast in his channel. Now, with Perron, the Favelle became the Flyers' workhorse goalie. He recorded seasons of 44, 54, and 44 games with goals against average of less than 2.85 for all uh, three campaigns. Now, what was really interesting with Favelle, he was the starting goal, the goaltender in the Flyers' semifinal uh, berth in the Frozen Four against the Montreal Canadiens where the Flyers won the first game and then lost the next four. But he had a strong 2.60 average in, in that campaign. Now, uh, he appeared uh, in those 11 games. Again, CBC gave him a lot of coverage, saying he was kind of the future of the Flyers. He had no indication at the time that Bernie Perron was going to come back from the Blazers and be traded, actually, by the Leafs. Uh, I mean, uh, traded by the Flyers uh, to the Leafs to get uh, Perron's uh, uh, rights. Now, the Leafs at the time had three veteran goalies on the roster, but Favelle played the most games in a regular season in the playoffs. He recorded a strong win-loss record and a solid 2.71 goals against in 32 games. Now, the following season saw the Leafs rely only two goalies, but Favelle struggled, uh, struggled in 39 games with the worst uh, goals against average of his career at 4.05. Uh, his third season with the team was his last, with uh, only three games played and extended time in injury list. Now, Favelle's NHL rights were sold to the Colorado Rockies, for the 76-77 season. After appearing in 30 games that year, Favelle became the Rockies' top goalie the following year, uh, skating at 58 games and leading the team in the playoffs. His final NHL season saw him appear in only seven games, and he finished the season with the Philadelphia Firebirds of the AHL. Now, Colorado exposed him in the 79 expansion draft. Now, he was taken by the Edmonton Oilers, but opted to retire instead of start fresh with a new franchise, which I, th which I think was a mistake, but that's just me. Now, Favelle holds the distinction of being the only player selected in both the 67 and 79 NHL expansion drafts. Now, Favelle was known for an abruptly curved blocker pad on his stick hand, while Bruins goaltender Jerry Cheevers, Favelle's, uh, Favelle, Favelle's goaltending partner for the Oklahoma City Blazers, that was the first goaltender to have artwork on his mask. Favelle was the first to use a painted design just before Halloween of 1970. Now, talking about his lacrosse years, he played professionally for Detroit Olympics of the National Lacrosse Association in 68 and the Philadelphia Wings of the National Lacrosse League in 74. Favelle was also inducted in the Ontario Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 2005 because of his efforts going on and off the ice, off the court, excuse me, towards uh, lacrosse. So total, total NHL stats, 373 games, 123 wins, 153 losses, 69 times, 18 shutouts, 3.17. Playoffs, 6 and 15, 12, 65, and uh, one shutout. And just a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, that playoff run in 1973, again, getting uh, the Flyers to the semifinal round against Montreal. And uh, be noted, there's a uh, playoff card featuring Favelle in the 73 uh, 74 set, one of the nicest uh, cards of the era. So, that's the story of Doug Favelle, and I wanted to do this just as a sideline to the Perron ones. Uh, I don't think Favelle got enough of a respect from the media because both of the teams he played for had uh, poor defense, 
But uh, with a better offense uh, in front of him, like you had with the Flyers at 73, which was his breakthrough year because he won 20, only lost 15 games in 44 uh, contests. He uh, he was uh, he he was uh, the Brian Hayward of his era. If he had a good number one augmenting him, he would have been tremendous for the long run. But I think the Flyers made the right choice to go for Perron and trade him because you can't have Perron and uh, uh, Favell in the same team because they both need to play. They have to have their bad games or the bad periods to make their uh, their style work. So thanks for listening. Bye. So quite amazing. Same way, Corey, for, for your dad, right? When you really think about it. So you may not win, for example, the Stanley Cup. It, whoops, I forgot to bring Kim back on here. I know she went away, and now she has, she's back. So, <laughs> it, it's amazing, right? When it comes to your dad, and, now, and and for those who didn't know, obviously in history, the one who made the now famous butterfly effect when it comes to saving goals here. But if you look at the style of play from your dad, and, and you can look at a lot of players today, I wish there was more of film that we can see when your dad was playing. Obviously, it's a whole different era compared to what we see today. But it almost seems like some people went back to – your dad's style of play, the way he played at the net. So even though your he your dad was cut short as they talk about it, as far as me, they didn't give him enough respect. Your dad looking at the game from when he played to today, does he feel like he accomplished everything that he needed to do in the NHL and then he walk away at the right time? Um well if you you look at the history where you know uh my dad and Kim's dad started in junior. So you know, 64, then they get drafted by, you know, they play in Oklahoma city together in the minors, the Boston farm team. And then they get picked up in Philly in the expansion draft. And the year my dad got traded was the year they won the cup. So I think it, it, it weighs a little bit on my dad that, you know, he, he was with this franchise for the first, you know, the building. And then, you know, the year he gets traded, they win the cup. But I look at it, I laugh because Bernie and my dad played together all those years and it just took one year from Bernie to get away from him to go to Jacques Plant and <laughs> le learn his whole game. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I think there were two young guys having a great time together, very competitive. And then, like I said, I think, you know, that trade was, was pivotal for Bernie. And like I said, when my dad, when they did the flip-flop and he went to Toronto, um, yeah, it was, um, like I said, they were bad not bad that the defense just wasn't the strongest. Um, Harold Ballard, the owner was, was doing uh, crazy things, but I think he was blessed because he got, he signed a six year deal, which was unheard of back then. And Harold Ballard, like my dad signed him to, you know, I think he's 170,000 a year. And back then that was a lot of money. He was, you know, getting paid more than, than Sittler and these guys and a six year deal. So Colorado had to pick up his contract. And I actually had a conversation with him today. Um, about you know the, the the last years in Colorado and stuff, and he knew it was was time to pack it in. Um, his friend Glenn Sather, who played with our dads in Oklahoma City as well, uh, was with Edmonton, and um, so he called my dad and said, "Listen, like, want to come out and you know we'll give you a, I think it was, we'll give you forty thousand to be the you know the third goalie." And um, when he flew out to Edmonton, um, Ace Bailey picked him up at the ed, uh, at the airport. And um, there was a little blonde kid with him. And the, the little blonde kid got out and said, hey, Mr. Favell, you can have the front seat. Well, it was Wayne Gretzky. So my dad says, geez, this guy called me Mr. Favell. I think it's time to pack it in. So that was kind of, he, he kind of knew. And we had just built a big house in Colorado on a mountain. 
he didn't want to relocate the family to Edmonton. And so he kind of knew that was, you know, time to pack it in. And like we stayed in Colorado for quite a while after. So, yeah, no, I think he was pretty satisfied. I just think that, that, uh, that year that, that Philly won the cup was probably lays pretty hard on him. Um, but like I said, he's a, a fun loving guy. So it's just, you know, it's, it's not super emotional. It's just always in his face when you, you know, you get a, a Stanley cup hat with a, a bud, bud light case of beer and it's always the Flyers Stanley cup hat he gets. So <laughs> that's it. But yeah, no, I think he's, I, like I said, I think he's, he's pretty proud. I, I know I'm very proud. It's, you know, he wasn't on all those big winning teams, but j- just to get there and, and, you know, continue that long in the league is, is, you know, something I'm super proud of. And, you know, I'm sure, sh- I'm, Sure, he doesn't have many regrets. So, I think out of all the Wayne Gretzky stories we ever heard in our lifetime, I don't think we ever heard that one. So that that's a very very cool story. Oh, that was funny. It was it, I we I got to meet. Uh, I've met him a few times. But I got to see him last uh, two years ago, and I brought my son uh, into the box. Edmonton was playing the Leafs, and my son was blown away that Wayne Gretzky knew Grandpa Doug and and and. Uh, Wayne actually turned to me and was talking to my son. He said, Hey, your grandpa, you know, taught me how to score because my dad was a lacrosse player. So, uh, Gretzky was from Brantford, which is a big lacrosse town. They'd always play there. So my dad was a big goal scorer. So Gretzky was telling my son how he, you know, my dad taught him how to score. So it kind of blew my son's mind. I was like, wow. And it blew my mind. My son who knew who Wayne Gretzky was. So I was, I was happy about that. So (laughs) very, very cool. So Sherman, Ryan, I don't know if you guys have one last thing before we sign off here. Oh, you're going to defer to me first? Oh, fantastic. (laughs) I think that it is every person's dream who likes sports to eventually make it to the professional stage to play in Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, or the NHL. And you can throw Major League Soccer in there as well. The fact that both of your dads – had an opportunity to play on the biggest stage in the National Hockey League. Unfortunately, not for the largest amounts of money, as the players get so much more money today, is really a testament to the people that they were. And, Corey, while your dad never won a Stanley Cup, and he was very well-traveled with so many different teams, it's a true testament to the fact that he lasted in the National Hockey League for as long as he did, and he was an effective Goalie. And Kim, for your dad, for the city of Philadelphia, not just winning the first Stanley Cup in Philadelphia Flyers history, but to go back to back and win it the second year and to win the Vezina both years, that's something that Philadelphia Flyers fans will always be proud of and grateful for. So I'm so excited and so happy that the two of you were able to come on the show tonight to uh, celebrate some of the moments of your father's career. And me personally, I hope that you have a fantastic podcast. I'm looking forward to going on to Twitter and looking it up after today's show. Uh, Parent for Bell Generation X podcast. I'm going to look that up right after the show. So I will be following you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, it. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan? No, I was going to ask both of them, how, how tall are your fathers? Oh, 5'10"-ish. Now? Um, <laughs> I think they're about the same height, right? Yeah, they're about 5'10", 5'11". Yeah, 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. All right, so, you know, just watching the clips and, like, now goaltenders are 6'5", 6'6", 6'4", 
cover a whole broader area. You know, I love it's it's you know different eras, different generations, or whatnot. You know, but equipment wise, and you know what they had to like fitness wise and whatnot. See, I'm an old school dude. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, just like with the NFL. Like, and I was going to ask the two of them uh, this earlier, but. I just feel like there's a lot of sports now that have gotten really soft. Um, like I'm a huge NFL fan and all the rules that they have now, just, I can't stand it. I want to pull my hair out and bang my head against the wall. <laughs> just like when I watch hockey now, and I will always tell people who are just starting to follow hockey. I'm like, just do me a favor, watch some games this year and then go on YouTube and pull up televised games from the seventies 80s, even 90s, early 2000s, and then come back to me and tell me what you think. Like, I don't know what the two of you think. Oh. I just feel like it's gotten a whole hell of a lot softer, and there's just uh, – yeah, you can see me now. I'm just, like, ready to rip my hair. <laughs> I, well, it's it, just that the sport is so different now. I mean, it's just – it's more skating and speed, and the players are even getting smaller now, like the 80s and 90s, like – you know, the guys are all so big. And I mean, as far as the goalies go, like they were my, our dads were like the average size for a goalie and their equipment was so much smaller. So it was more athletic, um, you know, kicking the save, you know, all of that, where now it's more of stopping it because you know, they're so big and their equipment's so big. So just like my dad gets frustrated. He doesn't get when they flip flop with goalies back and forth. Because in his, you know, you keep with the same goalie. So, but it's just, it's changed so much. Like, that's just how, how they play now. Where my dad, you know, what, how many, ever every 40th game, they would pull him out and put, you know, Bobby Taylor in. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just, it, this sport is just, is so different now. It really is. Ryan, the other night, I honestly, I watched, like, the best fights of 2000, whatever, of, like, 2020 and then i go back and i put in the best fights of 1989 and it's night and day there's i mean fighting today is i mean it, it's a whole different style back then guys had passion they didn't just drop the gloves just because they wanted to drop the gloves i always joke my son i made him watch the 7980 flyers playoff game uh with with, with our dads and honestly like one, two, two guys drop the gloves. Everybody drops the gloves and grabs a guy. My son thought that was the, he's like, what the, go, that was the game. You just, one guy dropped the gloves. Everybody dropped the gloves and you, you know, and then in the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of defense and fighting. You dropped the gloves because you, know, you had a reason to, and there was a lot of passion behind it. So now it's to kind of change a bit of momentum and you know, the guys it's, it's just not, not what it was. And I, I look at it as the passion. It's the passion that's not there. Right. So yeah, and so true. And a lot of Europeans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier. The game, it's become more European. Yeah. Um, I feel like hockey has. Like, it's, yeah. you know, more Back Olympic then. style. Yeah. yeah. No, Europeans good. fight, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Listen, who, uh, who did you have? David Kochi? Was that your your tough European? <laughs> uh, I just, Ryan. you know, I just remember when I started following hockey, the Blackhawks were okay they were on the fence and then um they played pittsburgh in the stanley cup finals what was it 91 92 season you know and i just remember the enforcer was chelios 
There's another guy that I'm sure a lot of people didn't want to walk and shake his hand. You know, so but it was just it's just it's just it's just a and I get about different era and the games changed or whatnot, but you know, to me it's almost like with some of the sports and like with the NHL. Even like maybe 15, 20 years ago the NHL was different. It was just I just think they've gotten soft, and a lot of times when I'm sitting there watching a hockey game, it just it, it gets so boring at times, just because there's they don't really let them do anything anymore. They just all want offense, and that's why I said before we were talking earlier about the Flyers and the Blackhawks and about the playoffs. It's almost like defense is a lost art, you know, and it's just teams just don't seem to be willing to. I mean. Chara for the Capitals is how old, and he plays defense better than ninety percent of the guys. Yeah. So, that, yeah. that, that's just me, and I'm rambling now. So, no, 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 you're you're totally bang on. That's that's the way I feel. <laughs> Kim, Corey, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. We really do appreciate it. And Kim, if you want to plug away again for tomorrow's new episode that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow we have Chico Resch, and he is hysterical. He is a lot of fun. We also have a special guest pops in a little bit uh, on that episode, but you you definitely don't want to miss it. There's a lot of laughs and a lot of really good stories and perspectives from someone that played against the Broad Street Bullies, which is very cool. The Devils. He's a devil. You realize halfway through, he's a Devils. He's a Devils (laughs) fan. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it gets interesting. So it's it's one you want to watch. Yeah, which I am not a humongous Devils fan, nor am I a Jersey fan, but it's okay. <laughs> They're across the pond, so we get it and we understand. Yeah. Well, thank you guys really for, for coming on. And also, everyone, again, Perant Favel Generation X, the podcast. Listen in, look them up on Twitter. Again, click on the link, and you go straight to the show. And again, if it's still a little chilly in Philly, no big deal. Little pun there. But <laughs> not a big deal. You go to biscuittees.com and look for a beanie. Look for your spring hat, maybe your summer hat, maybe even your summer t-shirt. So you never know. Biscuittees.com. You can take a look. Also, thanks to the official sponsor of Brustry South, fansofphilly.com. And again, they're looking for people to go out to Vegas when the Eagle season starts all over again, which we're hoping. <laughs> Make that trip. There you go. And so we're hoping to make the trip out to Vegas. Uh, they also got one for Denver, one to Atlanta. So go to fansofphilly.com. Take a look as they're also going up to Boston and New York for the Phillies games. So reserve your ticket today at fansofphilly.com. Uh, what are we seeing here? That's <laughs> Pavel no. Fitness. That's the logo. That's, that's, yeah. our, that's our, our banner. <laughs> so, Thanks, Ryan. All right, thanks for having us on, guys. That was a lot of fun. It was great to meet all of you. It was great to meet you as well. So thanks to everybody. I'll close it out here with, of course, our music. And thanks to DJ Bink Brizzy, also known as Mike West, for our show music. So I will leave you with that. You guys, once again, thank you so much. I'll leave you with this. And everyone else, we will see you Thursday night live.